Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Right here on 1049 The Horn. Smooth Soul Monday edition of Ball Don't Lie on 1049 The Horn. Hope everybody's being careful out there. Roads are a little wet and uh, the weather's pretty much been disgusting, terrible all day long. This morning it was awful. Oh, yeah, it was off cold man. and wet. Man, it was yeah. bad. Right, did you get to hear that uh, lightning strike that was right by our, in our neighborhood? Dude, it caused a fire, huh? Yeah, so I heard, it's like it was. Uh, a block away from my house, something like that. Yeah, it's really close to yeah. Because I was like, oh, Rob must have heard that too, because it was loud. It caused an attic fire. Yeah, that's what I heard. And like somebody, so it home. hit somebody. Dude. It hit it hit yeah. their it hit a house in our neighborhood. Yeah, and it, yeah, it an sounded like a bomb went off. Yeah, it caused an attic yeah. fire. I I could hear it. I I was like, man, I hope it just hit like a tree or something. But yeah, it turns yeah. out I went on the with the neighborhood app, whatever that was. Yeah, and, yeah. And then yeah, so they had, and then I saw the fire trucks too. Yeah. Like three fire trucks came through the neighborhood. Crazy stuff, man. Um, so that's just bad luck, too. Yeah. At all the houses. Oh, no. Well, so, like, I know when I was growing up, our house got struck by lightning twice. Twice? Twice. That's crazy. Ugh. So what it was, so we were on, we were, like, at the top of a hill. Uh, okay. And so we're, but, I mean, there's other houses around us, so it's not like we're the only ones. Were you guys on the peak of the hill? Like but the what they, of it? So, no, but what it, what it weighs is if your AC is running. Then now it's an electrical current, oh. so it'll hit your AC unit and fry everything in your house. Wow, that's some oof, stuff that oof. I did not have to think I had to worry about in adulting. That yeah, would no. suck. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and that is when uh, a power like power surge protection stuff don't don't matter. Yeah, and that's why they tell you like <laughs> if you're in light of something, unplug certain things. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, if you do if you do get hit by lightning, it'll fry every damn thing. Right, uh, that's electrical in the damn house. But that's crazy. Yeah, so uh, glad those people were okay. But um, yeah, just crazy weather, and it's gonna. It's, I don't know if it's gonna freeze up, but it's gonna get to to teens. Later yep. on this week, yeah. Hopefully we won't have the down. hopefully we won't have the precipitation to make. Yeah, it bad. as long as you don't got the rain with the freeze, we're good. If it's fr- if it's freezing and it's dry, we're all good. You still get around the road. So yep. it's raining, and then you combine that with the freeze. That's when the fit hits the shan, and nobody likes that. So no, none of us want to stay up here at the radio station. Nobody wants to do that. Not during the holidays. No, nobody wants to do I that. Do it not during the holidays either. Right. <laughs> and during a pandemic. During a yeah. pandemic. Oh, yeah, when they, was, yeah, when they had to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pandemic. All fine until the toilets went out. Oh, man. Oh, that was crazy. Yeah, man. Talk about the, 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 those who are truly devoted to this, this station and the cause. Shout out to those who stayed overnight. We appreciate y'all. I uh, remember during that time I was listening, and I was mm-hmm. listening to all the stories y'all were having. 
I was like, what is going on? Oh, no, man. It was wild. It was some <laughs> wild stuff going on during the uh, the Snowvit, I believe, as it came to be known here in Austin. All that the, for the people, the man. Fr- they did it yeah. for the people. The freeze and having to deal with yeah. COVID. Yeah, we ain't the show of the people, but definitely the show for the people. No doubt. Uh, all right, let's talk about the Cowboys uh, because the Cowboys ain't done a damn thing for the people in a long time. Uh, and this uh, last loss is probably one of the most disappointing losses that any Cowboys fan has witnessed uh, in a really long time. Cowboys losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars and I think the most egregious era uh, that we're in. There are a lot of different things. You get a lot of aspects of this game, but most of the blame I think will be laid at the coaching staff. That's Mike McCarthy, Kellen mm. Moore, and then you get, I'll even throw Dak Prescott in there. You always talk about Harge, how the quarterback, you being a former quarterback yourself, Absolutely. has got a lot of, you know, you got a, you got a lot of pull. All right? You got a lot of power to change things or question things uh, that may end up forcing some of those coaches to change their minds. So when the Cowboys were up 34-31, Trevor Lawrence fumbled the football with a minute and 28 seconds left in the game at the Dallas 38, and the Cowboys – basically were in a situation, once they got the ball back, they ran it twice, forcing Jacksonville to use two of their three timeouts. On third and 10, instead of running it again, forcing Jacksonville to use a third timeout, they decided to throw it deep to Noah Brown. Uh, That left Jackson with one more timeout left. Uh, Then Jacksonville got the ball back with 61 seconds left. Uh, And on the Jacksonville 29, by the way, with one timeout, and then based on a lot of different miracle plays, probably the most miraculous being second and eight, Evan Ingram reception. Only a five-yard reception, but it was a play of the game, Harge, because that was on a Jacks- that was Jacksonville 46, 17 seconds left. He runs a crossing route, catches the ball near the hash mark. J. Run Curse is trying to tackle him inbounds to force Jacksonville to use a timeout. He ends up fighting his way. To the sideline, even after review, because it was so close, they end up deciding he did, in fact, get out of bounds. Uh, they saved their timeout, and they're able to complete a 19-yard pass on third and three to Zay Jones to the Dallas 30-yard line. Call that timeout, which they never should have had, and then they kick a field goal. That forces overtime, and then we all know in overtime, Jacksonville goes on to win the game after a drop pass by Noah Brown ends up in the hands of a defender for Jacksonville who returns it to the his house. Pick six. Yeah. Yeah. You sit there, and and there's so many things that we can look at. We could talk about Mm -hmm. the fact that the Cowboys were up uh, 21-7 at the half. Yep. And then came out and became very, very flat on defense and offense for that matter because you scored 21 in the first half and you scored 13 in the second half. These are some of the conversations we were having this year about the Texas offense uh, doing the same thing. You could get up, have a perfect game plan in the first half. And to to that game plan, I believe Dak was like, I don't remember, like 15 of 16 in the first half. Passing the ball perfectly through that that first half, and then all of a sudden the game just gets out of hand. Yeah, in the first half he was 15 of 16, 130 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, a, a quarterback rating of 141.9. Mm. But in that first half, the defense was playing better. And what happened in the second half? Jacksonville decided we can we figured out where to attack. Oh yeah, that's boss man. 
let's go after Kelvin Joseph. And we're going to call him Kelvin from now on. He does not deserve to be Actually, boss man. Uh, I, I, so I, I realize there's yeah, a problem with this. Can't catch call. We can't, can't, we can't, Kelvin we can't besmirch the good name of Kelvin <laughs> because possibly Texas' yeah. best player going into next year is Kelvin Banks. Yeah. So oh. I don't want to spell, disparage the good name of Kelvin. This is very true. Because, uh, first of all, He's a great player. Second of all, that is a man of size that I do not want mad at me. <laughs> very true. Yeah, okay. So so we can call him Joseph. I don't know if we got any Josephs that we need to be careful about. No. Nah, o size in the league, so we're good with yeah, that. Yeah, as I so say, don't, don't, be disparaging, yeah, yeah, don't be yeah. disparaging Joseph either. <laughs> we'll just let it go. Boss we man. won't call him boss man fat. What's his number? Wait, wait, number one. one. We'll call him Uno. <laughs> no, he needs to be double digits now. That we what? need to give him more numbers. No, nah, yeah, because he's right. getting toasted. Saying, you you can't is. wear a number one and not show hey, up. That's what he is. I'm just gonna refer to him as Uno from now on. That guy wearing number one on the opposite <laughs> side of number seven, <laughs> formerly known as DB two, <laughs> formerly known as that. And I I'm, I told y'all this earlier. I'm gonna apologize right now to Anthony Brown. I understand why he was the starting defensive back for the Dallas Cowboys because the other options that we have do not represent well. Period. Well, they just missed because they drafted Bossman Fat. Sorry, Uno. Yeah. They drafted Uno <laughs> to be that guy because they they really did. They they envisioned. They saw this being an issue in the yes. future, and turns out he's a whiffed or the development rate is slower than they anticipated. Spending too much time. <laughs> In the studio instead of the film room. Whatever it may be, it ain't it ain't translating at all. So you have now a true liability and a weakness. Whoever the corner is opposite Trevon Diggs, it doesn't matter at this point because you're not trading for a big time corner. You're not bringing in someone that's going to be as good, if not better, than Anthony Brown. So everybody you're bringing in now is going to be a liability. So that's if I'm a defensive, I'm an offensive coordinator. I start there. Yeah. All right, you know what? We're going to target whoever the opposite corner is, and then you also start with the running game, not they lost uh, Jonathan Hankins for a little while, and he's dealing with that little injury, and the loss of Leighton Vander Esch I didn't think would be as debilitating Me to the neither. run defense as it was, but it was Tra- Travis Etienne, 5.4 yards per carry on 19 rushes. Yes, he got over 100 yards. They've been able to hold a lot of really good running backs, Saquon Barkley, mm-hmm. uh, Jonathan Taylor, hell, Damian Pierce, to under 100 yards, but that's because you had LVE. Say what you want, LVE, if you look at overall snaps and missed tackle rate, he's out at the top of both of those categories for yep. the Cowboys, playing as much snaps as anybody on defense, but also his missed tackle rate at 2.2%. That is lower than Anthony Barr, lower than Malik Hooker, lower than Donovan Wilson, who's at 9%. He's been tackling really well this year. And you can tell when he went out, it was an obvious drop-off in their ability to stop and neutralize the run. Yeah, and that, that was a bad mm-hmm. part. And not only that, lining people up in the right position, too. Yeah, you're Getting right. everybody lined he's, up in the right spot. I mean, oh, there's a yeah. lot that is uh, that goes into play. And number 91, that was Carlos Watkins, who was not making tackles. Carlos Watkins. Yeah, yes. Watkins. <laughs> yeah, he was not making plays. And it goes back to what we were talking about. Maybe he was trying not to rough the passer. Maybe it was, was you know. Was he playing some, DN or interior? He was playing interior, and he had two chances you know what? They to started, tackle him. When Dorrance Armstrong went down, there's another guy that went down for him, too, exactly. that I think they end up missing. I remember, I think some snaps, I even started moving DeMarcus Lawrence in, inside a couple of times situationally. Yeah. So I think they missed Dorrance Armstrong. Just another certified pass rusher. Talked about that. They only got one sack in the last two games. And that is, and that's, that is that's a that's big troubling. issue. This, this, yep. this is the team that's leading. They were leading the NFL in pressure rate Correct. and sacks prior to 
the last two weeks, and now they're struggling with that. I like the texture. It says, yeah, instead of Uno, more like Oh No. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I like that. Well done, well done. Uh, but no, no, I'm, I, think, I think you're right about uh, the, the point that they were struggling on the D-line a little bit. Uh, we didn't talk about when Dorrance Armstrong went down. Maybe it was a bigger loss for the Cowboys. Yeah, absolutely. Than they, they thought about. It. He's been really, he's been really good for them. What he got eight sacks this year? Or something yeah, like that? he's been. He's been, uh, really he's been the one applying a bunch of pressure, yeah. and that that's the other part of it. When do we have to start looking at this defense, which we talked about, is now starting to leak oil all over the place. The check engine light is coming on for the defensive side of the ball because we've mm. expected so much from them. And now you're talking about the injuries that they have to come up with. You've got vulnerability on the opposite corner. You're not blitzing. You don't blitz as well uh, lately. I, this, is, mm. this is a struggle for the Cowboys, and I know everybody, go ahead and take your shots, talking about, well, this is exactly what we expected from the Cowboys. No, we didn't. When Dak went down at the very beginning of the game, we didn't have any idea what this team was going to be. I went and started looking at the Chargers for a while because I knew this was going to be a tough look for us. Now the Cowboys are in the playoffs, by the way, people, and I know your your first thought is going to be, well, they're going to get to the wild card and be out. Understood. Okay, we're, we're still living in that past. But I thought this was going to be different because of the defensive side of the ball. Did I expect things to go wrong on the offensive side? History has told us, yes, we've seen things happen on the offense. But the way that this defense was playing, and I know Patrick was like, we need to pump our brakes because we need to check and see. This defense had so many playmakers, and the talk was Micah Parsons. He's not been the Micah Parsons that we saw at the very beginning. We also talked about the fact teams are now running at him instead of away from him because his pursuit is so good. So how do you to nullify him? Run right at him because he's not good at people coming right at him. He's good at making plays from the backside. So this is, this is a challenging time for the Dallas Cowboys. And for those that think just because Jalen Hurts has a shoulder injury and Cowboys don't have anything to play for, Cowboys have a lot. To play for because if we're gonna if they're gonna go into the playoffs and have any opportunity of changing this, they have to get things tightened up and they got to get it tightened up ASAP. Uh, Dak Prescott in the third and fourth quarters in 2022 um, has equal touchdown percentage as he has interception percentage. Yeah, he's got ten interceptions. Six, he's got six touchdowns, six interceptions in the third and fourth quarters this year. Eight point two percent for both those. Also six sacks. Um, and that by the way, the two he's interceptions got ten since week seven. I know. Since he came back. That, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I, I think that the the two interceptions in this game weren't Dak's fault. Number one, um, the one that was overthrown, um, I believe, to Dalton Schultz, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, it was to a pick. Um, that was his arm was hit on the backside, and they got a piece of his arm. There's nothing he could do about that. And then the Noah Brown dropped. That ended up being an interception return for an in, a return for a touchdown, which ultimately sealed the game for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, and so the fate for the Cowboys, I think ultimately that you know that's something Dak put the ball in the money. Some people are debating whether that was an accurate throw. I think if it hits you in the bread basket like that, and you can cradle the football, yeah, you're an NFL receiver, man. You got to catch that. So to me, that was a good ball. Yeah, uh, you got to catch that all just, day, every yeah. day. That's, that you made a tu- you made a touch. You made two touchdown catches then the this season where the ball was placed just like that. One just yesterday. Yeah. You have to make that play. But now he's getting crucified. And he shouldn't. But, he shouldn't. but you know, it's, you're, the, you're the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. You're going to get it 
whether yeah. you want it or not. He shouldn't because there is a it's a multi level failure and, and a multi level breakdown because they should have never been in a position to have that timeout they took before they kicked the game-winning field goal because you should have been able to run out the clock or at least force them to burn all their timeouts. You didn't do that because Kelly Moore called a bad play, Mike McCarthy never checked him, and Dak Prescott decided he still, here's his quote, um, about the third and ten. It was a one-on-one. We had a crossing route on CeeDee Lamb. They put two or three guys on him. I just tried to throw it deep and give Noah Brown a chance. And I'm thinking to myself, does Dak Prescott not understand situational football? Why would you try to give your guy a chance? What you need there is a guaranteed completion. Yeah. The worst possible thing you could have on that play is an incompletion. A sack actually is better on yep. that play mm-hmm. than an incompletion. And if you're a Dak, you got to understand that. And here is Mike McCarthy because he's, I think, the biggest uh, you know, culprit here. He's, he's the most to blame. When they asked him about why he decided to go for it on third and 10, he said, basically, I want to win the game instead of trying to you know, not lose the game. He said, quote, they had a timeout there, so your decision there is offensively to play conservative and run the ball to take the time off, or you try to end the game. It's a pretty simple decision. When it converts, it's a great call. When it doesn't, you get criticized for it. Yep. Uh, bad call. Yep. Awful. So I'm glad call. he admitted, basically admitted that it's a bad you get Chris. That was that was a bad call. That's a bad yep. call by Kelly Moore. And it was a bad call by him not to uh veto that call. And I, I'm with you. I'll give Dak Prescott some criticism too. Dude, take the sack or check it down. Right. That's the one thing you uh, or just kneel, whatever you gotta do. <laughs> exactly. The one thing you can't do there is have an incompletion. Do I know you're throwing up giving your guy a chance. You're like, you're giving Noah Brown a chance. It wasn't C.D. Lamb one on one. Wasn't Michael Gallup. Well, but this is and where this he, is where has he been? Yeah. But yeah, and this is also where we talk about the the interceptions and the I wanted to give him a chance and everything. I, I look, I, I will tell you, I'm on the Dak side that there is not 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. That you are lucky to get a guy who can go out there and play at a level that Dak can if you put him in the right situations. But you really need to put him in the right situations. We know what his limitations are because they've been the same limitations. Yep. If you try to do too much with him, he's going to throw a lot of interceptions. And Kellen Moore knows that. Yet every year he gets into, oh no, we can do more. We can do more. Like no, Kellen, you can't. You, we should. We saw that what you could do with Cooper Rush when you were like, hey man, let's be a little bit more conservative, run the ball, and when we get these things done. And he just seemed to be getting further and further away from that again. And you need to pull back a little bit and go, man, it's all about ball control. It's all about no turnovers, and let's try and win games that way. And I get it. That should be better. For yep. the money you're paying him, but at the same part, you're paying about 15th best quarterback in the league. He's about the 15th best quarterback in the league. He has the arm talent to do a lot of things, but he's going to make risky decisions a lot. And you just know that with him, that he's going to throw picks if you do that. So until you can, unless there is somebody better out there, don't put him in those situations as much. My question is to the- y'all, does he look slower to you? Who, Dak? Yeah, when he's getting out of the pocket. He wasn't, he's not yeah. a thoroughbred. He does. Don't get it twisted. But he looks slower to I me that. getting out of the pocket. Because yeah. some of those plays where he would get out, he would kind of get you about five or six more yards than what he's getting Quarterback keepers you. that they yeah. design runs. The design runs. It's yeah. like, what are we doing? Uh, no, I'm with you. And it's like I said, two of those, inter- those two interceptions weren't Dak's fault necessarily. You had one guy drop it and the other guy in, um, that pressured him that you know grabbed his arm so it ended up uh, destroying the throw. Um, I, I think Dak is playing at a reasonably high level. The defense – Allowing 40 points Man, a defense? You're supposed to play on. as a top-five defense? Come on. Uh, that's just not – I think only the Cowboys are built to win that way this come year. 
Um, and I don't you, either. And they still should have made better decisions. But they're not built to win shootouts. They don't want to get in the shootouts. You talk about how you want to keep Dak on the 30 passes anyway. But when the Jag, basically when you look at in the Jags, <laughs> um, they were what? I think they outscored the Cowboys 30-7. to from the third quarter mm-hmm. point, that that was like five. Basically, the Cowboys were up twenty-seven to ten. Five and a half minutes left in the third quarter. From that point on, Jags outscored the Cowboys thirty to seven. Yeah, it's embarrassing. Think it's, about that. It's you're up twenty-seven to ten. Five minutes left in the third quarter. They outscored you thirty to seven. That's 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 that was like Steve Sarkeesian last year type stuff. Right. <laughs> Where it's like, what are we doing? Like, what's happening yeah. here? How do you not hold that? You got Zay up? Jones out here. Shout out to Zay Jones, Austinite. But you got Zay Jones out here looking like a number one wide receiver. He was killing him. Yeah, he looked good. And it's and, and it's and it's been for the last three weeks. So you should have known what the game plan was going into it. If Trevor Lawrence, who has been playing some unbelievable football for the last three weeks. If you're watching the film and you're saying, oh, this dude is getting open a lot, we might need to pay attention to him. And maybe Christian Kirk is your guy. I still don't see Christian Kirk as that dude. But Zay Jones is becoming that dude. And Trevor Lawrence is showing people why he was the number one overall draft pick. I agree with all that. I just think that the Cowboys had chances to close out the game. They just didn't close it out. They let a bad team hang around. And when you let a bad team hang around, bad things happen. For, for sure. Cowboys led, like you said, 21-7 at half, 27-10, five minutes left in the third quarter. Those are two opportunities. You're up, yep. you're up <laughs> three scores. you got to close that out. You have to close that and they didn't all the it. way around. They gave them hope. All the way around. They gave Jacksonville hope, and Jacksonville, a young team, believed, once they started believing they could play with the Cowboys, it was over. And there was more Cowboys fans than Jacksonville fans, and it felt like a home game, and the Cowboys lost. At home on the road. Yeah, when, when you see when you see them <laughs> at home signing the off and yelling at the crowd, and they're at home, like they're not. They're like, hey, yeah. I'm yelling at. You're, like, yeah. Dude, yeah. you're at home. That's a yeah. great point. Yeah, basically you're right. So it wasn't a true. It wasn't a true road environment for the guy. Was he had a lot of fans on the road? Uh, but man, Jacksonville, give him credit. And uh, you talked about Trevor Lawrence in three of the last four games, he's thrown for over 300 yards and at least three touchdowns. So he's on fire. Yeah. Right now. Uh, in, I will baby. quick note on right tackle uh, snap counts. Tyron Smith played 54 of the snaps at right tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Peters played 21 of the snaps, and uh, Ball had one. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's how they were running the platoon, if you want to look for that going forward at right tackle. Uh, it seemed like m- most of the work is going to Tyron Smith. He'll probably take even more over next week when he gets a little bit healthier. But it looks like he is probably going to play the, the lion's share of snaps. Yeah, they said originally, right I was like I said, I was listening to the game, and they said, yeah, Tyron Smith was supposed to play 25 snaps. Yeah, 54. Yeah. <laughs> he said, I'm not coming out of the game. Yeah. No, Felt he played the uh, first, second, and third series and the seventh series. Um, and Jason Peters played the fourth, fifth, seventh, and eighth series um, of the game. Mm-hmm. So they they rotate. said they would rotate them, and they rotated them. Yeah. Right? They definitely don't like Josh Ball. We'll come back. Uh, <laughs> safe to say. Yeah, safe to say that. We'll come back. We'll get into uh, previewing Texas versus Washington in the Alamo Bowl. Time to start breaking down this matchup. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 1049 The Horn. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God. Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, no, you've done real? it now. It's time for Rod's no. rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 1049 The Horn. I figured it's about time for us to start breaking down this Texas Washington Alamo Bowl matchup. So, for Rod's round today, uh, leading up to the Alamo Bowl, and we'll be off obviously early this week because we got a short week. I'll be doing Alamo Bowl uh, previews and breakdowns so you guys kind of get the 411 on the Longhorns' next opponent in the bowl game. And now we do know, which we'll get to a little bit more at the top of six o'clock, Bijan Robinson officially. He is entering the NFL draft, so he won't be available for Texas in the Alamo Bowl. DeMarvion Overshone officially entering the NFL draft, skipping the uh, Alamo Bowl. Sorry, yeah, skipping the Alamo Bowl. And we're not sure about Rojo officially, but our good friends over at Inside Texas, honestly, they're, they're about 75, 80, about 80% <laughs> right on that report from a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So I'm going to assume my friends at Inside Texas, they got that inside info. Um, so I'm going to assume Rojo is probably not going to be available for Texas in the game either. Uh, one of the biggest um, matchups to watch in this game is going to be the Washington offense versus the Texas defense. I think ultimately that will be the determining factor in the game um, because the Texas defense has been a strength for Texas all year long, but specifically it has been their rush defense, their ability to uh, rush the passer, but also their rush defense. Uh, they've been really good in both those aspects. I found out um, – Last week I was doing research. Texas ended up uh, just off the regular season, that's not including bowl games, a uh, second behind uh, Clemson in in pressures with 277. Just from Pro Football Focus, so I'm sure you got some other numbers somewhere mm-hmm. else. But they say Clemson uh, led the country in pressures. Uh, Pitts, uh, Texas was second at 277 behind Clemson at 287. Pittsburgh 272. Shout out to Washington ended up eight. Just so you know. So nice. the Washington Huskies ain't no punk here. Watch out. Um, they're at 243. Um, so according to Pro Football Focus, they ended up being one of the leaders, if not yeah, the second in the Pac-12 behind Utah with 253 pressure. So they can actually get after the quarterback a little bit too. We'll get to that when we talk about Texas's offense versus their defense. But there are a few things that worry me about in this matchup. Um, we've talked about this a little bit, but – this Washington offense loves to throw the football. Mm-hmm. Kalen DeBoer, their their head coach, man, he loves to chunk the rock. And they led the country uh, in passing yardage this past season. Um, you talked about this, Harsh. Michael Penix Jr. from his freshman year. We're talking about two schools ago for right, Kalen DeBoer. Right. He, he was at Fresno State uh, most recently, then before that at Indiana, and before that at Fresno State. Yeah. So his first stop there at Indiana, that's when him and Michael Penix Jr. made magic happen for like a half a season, and then Michael Penix Jr. decided, no, no, I want to play in that system. I'm really good in that system. Turns out the young man was right uh, because not only did they won double-digit games, but their fifth in passing attempts in the country, they lead the country in passing yards, sixth, uh, sorry, fifth in passing attempts per game, but sixth in passing attempts total. Um, and if you go look at it, they're leading the country in overall passing yards and passing yards per game. The reason this is concerning is because they right now, um, to me, I think they, they prefer to throw the ball. 
they don't want to be they, – they're not unbalanced and they're not a one-dimensional offense, but I think they prefer to chunk the rock. And going up against Texas, I think Texas, one of their few vulnerabilities this year because they were a really good defense this year, was their pass defense. They were 88th in pass defense. They were 103rd in completion <clears throat> percentage allowed. And this young man uh, is very precise with the football. He can throw the ball, and he's really, really comfortable in this offense. And I was thinking to myself, well, maybe Texas can get to him before. I was watching some film watching. Maybe Texas can get to him before you know he gets in a groove, before he gets comfortable in that offense. And not only is he pretty good throwing the football, they're first in passing yards per game, 376, also top 15 in passing touchdowns with 30, um, top fifteen, top, top 10 in yards per attempt, 8.7, 65.6% completion percentage, and they lease the nation, also lease the nation in total passing yardage too. But what I thought was really interesting, I looked at their offensive line, and they actually lead the country in passing down sack rate. So when they do decide to throw the football, they're actually the best in the country at protecting Michael right. Penix Jr. when they do it. Which is why they have those big numbers. <laughs> yeah. So not only are they really good right. and efficient at throwing the football, when they do, they protect Michael Penix Jr. And he is really good at keeping plays alive. Now, they've only allowed seven sacks overall, but that's not all on the old line. He's really good at avoiding pressure and avoiding sacks. I would say if avoiding sacks was a stat, he would definitely be one of the national leaders. He's really good at just having a feel for the pocket. Um, but I know the offensive line is good because they actually lead the nation in tackles for loss allowed. So they just don't allow a lot of negative plays, period. So the first thing for Texas is they got to force negative plays against Washington. Right. They start forcing negative plays. That's something that Washington is, is unaccustomed to. They're not really uh, comfortable in working behind the chains that often. They don't have to. Offensive line always keeps them ahead of the chains and on schedule. Texas needs to have them off schedule as much as possible. So, number one, if they're putting pressure on Penix Jr., but not only putting pressure on and getting him down. He's accustomed to getting pressured and moving around, and we saw that this year from guys like Frank Harris uh-huh. Jr., saw that from guys like Donovan Smith with Texas mm-hmm. Tech, saw that from Bryce Young. We saw that from, I mean, it goes on and on. Adrian Martinez, we saw that over and over again, quarterbacks with functional mobility being able to keep plays alive and look to throw instead of run. That's him. Spencer Sanders. Yes, he when he when he keeps the play alive, he's he doesn't even want to run. Mm-hmm. He prefers to keep the play alive, try to get the ball to his two two thousand yard receivers, sophomores by the way, <laughs> on the outside. <laughs> and that to me is a direct way to exploit something that Texas has struggled with all year long, corralling those dual threat quarterbacks. And also something that I think you can natu- naturally exploit, which is Texas pass defense. Which I struggle a little bit, and without Demarvin Overshone, I expect that could be a bigger issue. Now, without without Demo, I expect Mo Blackwell and Tucker Dorsey can get the majority of those reps. This is a great thing. This is actually a blessing in disguise because <clears throat> I think my just if I'm based on the research I've done, I think Washington's going to come out throwing the football. They're going to throw it to open up the run. They, I could be if wrong. They're smart. Exactly. If they're smart, like that's why what the they hell, do. you want to you want to you know decide to test the Texas rush defense? <laughs> go right ahead. I mean, only one playing team. Their, they're playing right into their hands. Yeah, only one team has had a 100-yard rusher versus Texas, and that was TCU, and it was mostly just off that big broken play yep. um, and busted play. So I think Texas will make Washington one-dimensional. Um, if you go look at Texas' rush defense, 
28th in rush defense overall, 16th in yards per rush allowed, 27th in rushing yards allowed, 7th in 20-plus yard runs allowed, only 7 this year, 17th in 10-plus rushes allowed, 10-plus yard rushes allowed. Mm -hmm. They're just a really good rush defense. Top 25, top 30, whichever way you want to place it. So I think Washington knows that. Kellen DeBoer is a really good coach. I think he'll understand, listen, my best player is my quarterback. Um, Our best the best aspect of our team is pretty much our passing game. And the worst aspect of Texas defense is their pass defense. I think that's where they start. And if Texas wants to try to you know, win the chess match within the game, I've said it before, I think Texas should make sure that they are defending the run for Washington with a lighter box. Actually, when did the research on their running back, and I can't pronounce his name, and if I try to pronounce it, I'm just going to screw it up. So I'm not trying to be disrespectful. But uh, Wayne is his first name. I think it's Tuala Papa. If I screw it up, I, sh- I apologize. Understood. But he's averaging nearly seven yards per rush versus stacked boxes. Stacked boxes are when you have more defenders than blockers. So he's actually averaging over – Almost seven yards per rush, 6.8 versus stack boxes. He's only averaging 6.1 yards per rush on the season. Actually, averaging more yards per rush versus stack boxes. Um, there are a lot of reasons for that, which I won't get into today. We'll get into it later on. But my point is, it, it, it adds to my argument that Texas should play Washington with lighter boxes and allocate resources and defenders to defend the pass. Now, some people say, well, you're going to play the run with a lighter box, you're going to get eaten alive in the run game. Listen, just because there are five defenders in the box doesn't mean there are five defenders in the run fit. Just because you had the five, just five defenders in the box doesn't mean I got just five defenders in the run fit. I got right. guys in the run fit all over the defense. They're eyeing, all right, their keys. They're looking for a certain angles to the football, but I can take guys out of the box to get them closer to pass responsibilities, and they can still be in the run fit. You get what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. that's that's the difference. So I take them out of the box so they can be closer to their pass game coverage responsibilities, and that way, when I, I think inevitably, with Washington decides to throw the football, um, they will be at a disadvantage in the numbers game and the passing game. What you want is for them to look at that light box and go, "Well, if they're gonna play with a light box, I'm just gonna hand it off. Right? Take the ball out of their best player's hands." If they want to just hand it off eight, eight, eight to 12 times to try to get down the field, please do. Because Keontre Coburn, Byron Murphy, Tavondre Sweat, Alfred Collins, the arguably one of the best interior D-lines in the country, will have a lot to say about that. Because I guarantee you they'll win the majority of their one-on-ones which will force them to double-team one of those interior D-line, whether it be Colburn, Murphy, uh, Sweat, uh, whether it be Collins. They're going to have to double-team one of those guys. And then we get the numbers advantage back in the front because I don't think they'll be able to block all of Texas' <clears throat> interior D-line one-on-one. And I'm not even including Baron Sorrell on the outside. I'm not even including Ojimo. Texas is just too deep there. This is what they should have did versus Oklahoma State. They didn't. That's why they end up losing the game. They focused too much on the rush defense and to allocated too many resources there. Allocate resources to stop the pass. Give them the run. Right. Give it to them. If Dare want, them to run. Okay, yeah, you can, yeah. Take the ball out of Michael Penix Jr.'s hands. Thank you. They want to hand it off. Go ahead. Hand Thank it off. Thank you. Because I guarantee you, your defense ain't going to stop our off. Ain't going to stop Sark's offense. No. It ain't going to stop it long enough for you to say, stay in the game with us that way. Because they are civ as well. Yes, because yep. their their pass defense is actually worse than Texas yep. pass defense. Yep. Um, so I think that's how Texas defense should approach it. A lighter box, just because you got five defenders in the box, doesn't mean you got five defenders in the run fit. 
Yeah. Right, and I think your defensive line will hold its own versus their O line early on. That's how I'd, I want to take the hands, take the ball out of Michael Penix Jr.'s hands because I think with the ball in his hands, um, there's a good chance that they could exploit Texas in the passing game, the entire game. Right, they just they really match up well with Texas in that regard. Well, this is an opportunity for the, the secondary of the Texas Longhorns to see what they worked on during this this pre-bowl workout. Mm-hmm. Some of these guys are going to get an opportunity. This is a big mm-hmm. game for Deshaun Jameson. This is an opportunity for him to go out there and say, all right, let me put one more thing on film against a high-quality passing attack like yep. Michael Penix Jr. And then, of course, those wide receivers that he has. This is a big opportunity for him. Yeah, one thing that needs to be, I think also that hurts Texas in this matchup, they're the best third-down offense in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, they convert 57% of their third downs. Actually, in the last month, that's closer to 65%. They're really good. Texas, average to below average, 79th in the country uh, in third down defense. And you you got to get off the field, G-O-T-F, mm-hmm. get off the field. They can't get off the field in this game. Uh, it's going to be a long game for Texas in a bad way. Uh, and Michael Penix Jr. shines on third down throwing the ball. And one of the things that helps them, his ability to keep plays alive, their scramble drill – also, I think one of the best in the country that I've watched. They're really great at adapting to him on the scramble drill. Everybody knows where to go when he breaks that pocket, and Texas is going to have to adapt to that. That means DB's going to be covering for more than three seconds, more than four seconds, yeah. sometimes five to six seconds, and they're going to have to hold their own. Um, and I think they can. I think one of the things that's going to help them out is Mo Blackwell and Tucker Dorsey, both hybrid linebackers, being available in this game. Uh, just like Demarvin Oshon, hybrid linebackers. I think you're going to need them because this is going to be a pass happy game. I went back and watched more of Kalen DeBoer's film from um, Fresno State and from Indiana. I mean, his passing comes is probably as diverse as you'll get. 10, 11, 12, 20 personnel, pistol, shotgun, three by one, two by two, empty sets, everything you can imagine. He will throw it at Texas. I promise you. All right, we come back. We'll talk about one of the greatest uh, sporting events that, uh, really, mankind's ever known. Right here on Ball Don't Line, 104.9 Home. Welcome back. The Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a Smooth Soul Monday edition of Ball Don't Lie, 104.9 The Horn. Uh, great sports weekend, great NFL action. We tried to touch as many of those uh, NFL uh, topics and headlines as we could. Uh, but the biggest story of the weekend was actually Argentina beating France in the World Cup. Uh, it was a 3-3 draw at the end of regulation, and then it went to penalty kicks. And Argentina won 4-2 uh, on, on penalty kicks. And they win uh, the World Cup. And Lionel Messi gets his first World Cup title. And a lot of people believe that may cement his legacy as um, the GOAT status, potentially. Not he's, in, he's not in the greatest of all-time conversation. He's in the GOATest of all-time conversation. Is he the GOAT of the GOATs in soccer? That's what now people are uh, having to talk about with Messi. Yeah, it, it was an unbelievable matchup. <laughs> and the way that everything happened, Happened was so fast and it was so epic. Um, obviously, you know I live in a soccer house and mm-hmm. and we were on the road at the hotel watching this and I thought we were going to get kicked out 
because my son was like, Messi, he's unbelievable. <laughs> That's how you're supposed to watch yeah. it. That's and it, how you're supposed it was to watch tur- it, It was turned up and yeah. so live. And then you look at what Mbappe was and what he's going to be for the game. Just think, he would have been his second World Cup championship, and he's not even he, – I think he's, he's just turning 24. He's 23. Yeah. 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 Like that would have – you talk about cementing yourself as he has done. By the way, he did get a hat trick. Went out there and did mm-hmm. his thing. Just when you thought it was over and you thought Messi was just going to walk away into the to the sunset, they come back, France comes back, and then they're going back and forth. And then, of course, what better way to end this than to get to PKs and just finish it off, man. That, that was beautiful, beautiful. And it was, you know, the game of soccer has kind of grown on me because of the beauty of it all, the, mm-hmm. the technical – movements that they have with their feet. And then you watch a guy like uh, Messi pass the ball the way that he does, let alone score it. But the way he passes the ball to other teammates, it was phenomenal to watch. Yeah. No, I mean, it. it I, I actually got swept up in it. My wife's a huge fan of uh, just soccer in general. So she's been watching the World Cup matches during the day uh, with the TV on. But you're right. This The way this was played out with Argentina going up <clears> – <throat> 2-0. Yeah. Um, and being up 2-0 at the half, looking like it was over, then Mbappe basically taking over the game, scoring two goals in 90 seconds yeah. in the 80th and <laughs> 81st minute. Yeah. Um, and then you have Messi coming back, and you know, and then it became kind of a shootout between the two, and then you got Mbappe scoring another goal in the 118th minute uh, to send the game into a penalty shootout. That was that was thrilling. I'd never really seen anything like it uh, watching a soccer match and a lot of uh, World Cup historians saying this may be the greatest World Cup final in the history with 92 years yep. uh, of the World Cup. And I had a soccer aficionado try to describe it to me. He's like, man, for Americans who are just not as you know captivated with soccer as other nations, the most popular sport in the world, um, he said you would have to basically get LeBron James versus Michael Jordan in a uh, Game 7 overtime of the finals right. where both of them were scoring like 50 points. That's basically what they he said. That's the equivalent of getting Messi and Mbappe, uh, both scoring multiple goals in a World Cup final and it going to penalty kicks. It is. It, <laughs> it, it, it looked like it was the passing of the torch, so to speak. If Messi is truly walking away, and this was his last World Cup, 35, 35 years old, he's walking yeah. away from it. He said it. it before the season. And then you look at what Mbappe is for France and how good he is as a player. That is something to behold, man. I think soccer's in a good place. And to your point, I was asking the same thing. We were sitting there, and I was like, what do y'all think about this? She said, this was the best soccer match that I've ever seen. World Cup, regular season, playing in the backyard. This was something that legends will always talk about because of the impact of the game. Think about bonus areas right now. Did you see the video of the people in Argentina yeah, going absolute bonkers? Yeah. And it was so close for France because, you know, let's be honest, 2-0 in a game like that, 2 nil. They, they didn't show up in the You're first like, half. They oh did gosh. not show up. Every I stopped watching. I was like, man, I'm gone. I was watching <laughs> right, something right. else, and my wife started screaming and yelling. Yeah. I'm like, what is happening? She's like, they came back. <laughs> they came back. Mbappe, she's screaming Mbappe. Yeah. Like, I'm like, hey, don't be screaming another hey, man's name that loud in this house. In this house. Mbappe, Mbappe. I'm 
like, okay, baby, please. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, yeah. I mean, he was. It was thrilling. It was unbelievable. And I'm with you. I, I don't know if there's a better um, manufactured drama in sports than penalty kicks. No. It was, it was. I don't know. If there's better manufacture. It is. Yeah. It's. It's. It's hard. It's nerve wracking. It is. It's hard to watch right. sometimes, man. <laughs> right. It really is. And I. I was. I was riveted. I couldn't. I couldn't deny it. Even as an American who's a soccer novice, how could you not get into that? If every match or every you know game is a story in its own, that might have been the greatest story ever told. It's possible. And I said for both of them, Mbappe and Messi, for them to take their PKs and they both made it, made everything Ugh. complete. Because if yeah. they, one of them would have missed... Then that's all the story would have been about. Been like, yeah. They didn't show up. They weren't clutch. Yeah. But they both showed they up. They both showed up. And yeah. I was like, okay. Wow. It's cool. Yeah. It's cool. It, it was... Yeah, it was almost... It is a shame that somebody had to lose that match. Because that, that was, was thrilling. Yeah. It was. It was fantastic. And uh, it got over in time for the Cowboys. And now I wish that they would have kept playing. <laughs> yeah, Fox had a, Fox is probably thanking the, the football guys exactly. and the sports guys. They had a hell of a weekend. Oh my god. They goodness. went right from one of the greatest <laughs> World Cup finals, if not the greatest World Cup final ever, to one of the most, I don't know, compelling NFL matchups of the weekend. For sure. But it seems like everybody had a compelling NFL matchup. Man, we can get the into NFL that, baby. was drunk and high this weekend on yep. Ayahuasca, and we'll come back and explain to you why. We'll also talk about B. John Robinson entering the NFL draft. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 